0: This is Jeff Kober and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, a couple of weeks ago I had the privilege of hosting a dozen senior directors and managers from a nonprofit organization in a week-long program in Orlando. These individuals were wanting to improve the workforce experience back home. This experience encompassed four Disney theme parks in as many days, plus visits to two world-class organizations, JetBlue and Give Kids the World. Since many of my listeners have been curious about the kind of work I do and the programs I have offered for nearly 25 years, I chose to make this podcast a study on not only how I carried this program off, but of the many takeaways they took as a result of this experience. Logistically, hosting a dozen individuals plus myself is a challenge uh, and a podcast in and of itself. But the experience itself is a unique um, one, and I wanted to share it with all of my listeners. I'll even share some of the kinds of messages and insights that we talk about during the program. Imagine you could spend a week at Disney, not just to see Disney, but to learn very real organizational h- insights. That could impact the work you do every day. Well, maybe this is the podcast for you. So we're gonna benchmark Disney with 13 people, five days, four parks, and so much more. And by the way, make sure you uh, connect with Disney at work.com. We have two sites: Disney at play.com, Disney at work.com, uh, for work and play, and and whenever we talk about best in business practices or or the kind of um, Behind the scenes of how Disney makes the magic and what that looks like, we utilize the work dot com site. So check that out. We've uh, done a few other podcasts in in uh, not so uh, in, in recent um, in recent work weeks as well. Sorry, <laughs> in recent work weeks as well. I can't say that. Um, so be sure to check out all of our podcasts that we have as we go through it. All right. So you give an agenda. Our folks had to fly in and uh, it took the better part of Monday for them to get in. So really Monday was just an opportunity to kind of get together and get to know each other. Uh, The the first challenge was where are we um, housing them? And oftentimes when my groups are over 10 people, I tend to take a convention um, resort and utilize space uh, but when you do a convention resort, you, you if you don't know much about that, rooms are generally free, but um, you do have to pay a fairly, fairly strong premium on meals, and they expect you to do meals. So something that might be breakfast, in a, a budget breakfast of, uh, of, say, $25 in the park or something like that. Ends up being closer to $65 plus plus, meaning tax and gratuity added. So, because this was a nonprofit group, I really didn't feel like I had the luxury of going that route. Um, and they wanted to be, you know, they wanted to be aware of the monies they were spending because they were a nonprofit. So, We kind of looked for a moderate resort option. I would have probably gone with the Caribbean Beach because I love the fact that you have access uh, with Skyliner to both the studios and um, Epcot. But uh, pricing-wise, they were much higher than going with Port Orleans um, French Quarter. Now, I had never done Port Orleans before. I've done about 20 hotels throughout the 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 Disney universe, but I had never done Port Orleans before, so this was kind of new to me, and I have to tell you, it was one of the best parts of this experience. I like the particularly the French Quarter aspect of it. I've always, have well, let me just back up. I've never liked French Quarter because I always compare it to New Orleans Square at Disneyland, and the details. And the look and feel—I could do a whole podcast on the differences between the two—and because of it, it's—it doesn't—it doesn't, it doesn't feel—it doesn't have that feeling at times. But what it does do is it creates a very um, centralized area up close. You don't have to walk so far from buses or from the uh, from dining. It really is a more. Um, ideal place, even on the Riverside, you could be out in one of those mansions, and you might as well have to bus. And you got the same problem at Caribbean Beach. You got the same problem at Coronado Springs. So honestly, I thought the French Quarter, the rooms were beautiful. They were, um, they were somewhat upgraded, and they had a really nice, clean touch to them. And really, our our folks loved staying there. We um, were going to take uh, a boat over to Disney Springs to have um, uh, dinner over there. Um, And we got in line to do that and then lightning in the area struck. And so that went downhill. And um, so we didn't end up um, going by boat, but you know what? The motor coach got us there um, pretty fast. And I can't complain. Um, for that. So uh, where we ended up having dinner is the Terralina Crafted Italian. This is the old Portobello restaurant. I'd eaten it before there when it was Portobello. Um, and I, I like the centralized location of that restaurant. Um, the food was fine. Uh, the server was terrific. Uh, the f- people at the desk were a little disappointing because I allowed my people to kind of mosey around and browse around while I took care of getting the reservation centralized and getting things together and then I sat there in that little foyer area and they ignored me for about 1520 minutes and finally I said so tell me what status is well we're waiting for your group and I'm thinking I are, are you are you like oblivious to the fact that I'm sitting here waiting on you and how is it that you're You know, anyway, it was just maybe a communication thing, but that was a little disappointing. But. But for, but my guests didn't know that. They just knew the dinner experience and it was an opportunity for them to get together and get to know each other because they come from different departments and organizations. So actually that worked out really well. We had a nice full dinner. And then honestly, they all wanted to go to Salt and Straw and try out different ice creams over there. And they had a lot of fun doing that. So that actually ended up being a really great um a, a really solid opening experience. The next day, um, and this is one of our challenges, is two of the days we ended up benchmarking. And when I say benchmark, visiting other organizations to see how they do business. And the next day, on Tuesday, we ended up at JetBlue Airlines, which their training facility here is here. It's a world-class experience. It is a wow experience. And um Our folks really took away some great ahas. We have had great support. We've been benchmarking with them for 20 years since they opened their doors. Uh, They now have their own resort, uh, not resort, but hotel for uh, folks coming for training there at their facility. And I tell you, they are just a world-class act at JetBlue. That was a very cool experience and lots of great takeaways that our group had about how to think about orientation and onboarding and how to create a great workplace experience. After that, we headed back to uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios directly. And that's a challenge when you talk about going to a park like Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now we're on property, so you can take advantage of half hour before park opening. But we're not because we had to go somewhere else first. And in fact, it was almost noon by the time we got to Disney's Hollywood Studios. So you can imagine in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, my job is not to get them on all the favorite and best attractions. But at the same time, I want to have them to have some significant key experiences. Because each experience they have, I tie back into a business concept of some sort. And so I want them to to have the best experience possible. And I have to tell you what we did. We used Genie Plus, and I ended up getting, it wasn't hard to get Rise um, Select Passes. That worked out really well. Um, So I felt really good about that part of the experience. Um, And then we just took advantage what I do is when I have a group that size, I usually divide them in half. I send them on what I refer to as a sort of scavenger hunt, where they can go to an attraction or a particular location. And that attraction may be something like um, Rock and Roller Coaster or Midway Mania, but it also could be Dockside Diner or it could be um, Sid Cohengas. At, um, at the front of the park, because each of those locations, I teach a particular concept. I tie it back to them. I have a little trivia question, that type of thing. They gain points and I kind of create a little bit of a competition with teams. This all started by the way. When I was working with Disney, we hosted a group. Um, I, had, I had really advanced the idea with the Disney Institute of being out in the parks. And at one point we had Volkswagen of North America come to Walt Disney World. It They wanted to bring all of their North American dealers to Disney World to test drive a brand new Volkswagen Beetle. This is 2000, about yeah, I think this was the year 2000. And uh, and so we took over the back half of the Epcot parking lot to do test driving of the Beatles, and then we spent um, time doing a some training events in the ballroom, and then we sent them out in the parks to do the scavenger hunt. So that allowed me. We had we had about eight thousand attend this in two groups of 4,000 apiece. And I can't escort a group of 4,000 in the parks. So so we put them on monorails and buses and just sent them to all corners of of the property at that time to, to experience different attractions and to kind of go through this scavenger hunt of sort. And that's how I kind of developed that idea by the way that was a big con. they spent like 28 million dollars on that event with us they even took over the magic kingdom at night used the electrical parade back then they even p- created their own float with a with a love bug beetle on it um and uh, all decorated in lights i mean it was it was above and beyond but that's 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 what they did to promote the what ended up being a very successful um, uh, uh, new Volkswagen Beetle. So, um, so we did the same things in the studios, and I took them on a tour of Hollywood Boulevard up through the Studio Arch. Well, another group did a scavenger hunt. Then we switched, and I I redid that tour. Went to Mama Melrose's for a late lunch. Mama Melrose's was very good, very good service. The food was just fine. The only problem is is we had just done Terralina Crafted Italian the night before. So that was kind of a mess of mine to to have two Italian places back-to-back. By the way, um, usually it takes months to plan out these events because you want to try to get certain um, kinds of experiences lined up. We only had about six, seven weeks to line this one up. So I was glad that we managed to get what we got off of that experience. And then afterwards our pass to uh, Rise of the Resistance was available and we were able to to do that and carry that and that was a wow experience because most of them had never done rise before. And this was really one of the first attractions they did in the parks. Um, I then hosted them in another set of kind of switch-offs um, through the afternoon. I actually took them over to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway where I made some some connections um, back to. Because um, you know the, the theme song of Mickey and Minnie's is nothing can stop us now no matter how. Well that that attraction opened just weeks before the pandemic and the song is so I- ironic so it's a conversation about what happens when things turn a completely different direction that you're not expecting and how do you address that anyway the long and short is is by the end of that evening they had pretty well gone they had done tower of terror they had done rock and Roller coaster with genie plus and slinky dog i managed to get them on slinky dog and um, Millennium Falcon. So they had done all four of those attractions, and I think some did Midway Mania for for having gotten into the park at noon and then having until uh, just the rest of the day to do that and uh, to do all that, plus Rise of the Resistance. We actually ended up doing pretty good for that day. Ended the day at um, Primetime Cafe, which, I was a little worried if you've seen, if you've listened to my previous review on Primetime Cafe, um, I love the concept that your servers take on like a big brother role or an aunt role or, or, or your mom role, something like that as they serve dinner. But it seems to me that most of the time those servers end up playing dysfunctional playing out their dysfunctional um, nightmares of, 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 siblings they dealt with. And, uh, and, and they end up using a lot. It just doesn't end up right. But our servers ended up doing a great job. And they just enjoyed that dinner. And that worked really, really well. So I felt really good about that. Um, the next day, so the next day is Epcot, or no, then I'm sorry, the next day is Magic Kingdom, and I've got the full day to do this. And I was feeding them in the morning at Sassagula, um, uh, which was really great. I was able to feed them um, successfully there. The problem is, is Sassagula doesn't officially open until 7. So if you're looking like an Animal Kingdom day or whatever to get out to the parks early, um, sometimes they'll do kind of a soft opening before seven, but that's not a guarantee. And so that could be kind of messy trying to um, trying to get everybody fed and out the door and on motor coaches. By and large, I know motor coaches can be a mess at times, but our experience in every single day we were there was solid. On, on the one day where we had... Uh, ton of people going to the Magic Kingdom. There was another motor coach right behind it to take them to take the second group to the Magic Kingdom and it worked out and that's of course the furthest distance you're going to go. Well actually Animal Kingdom is also a further distance so Um, anyway so we ended up doing Magic Kingdom and I took the first thing I did I didn't get them to the park early because I didn't have the time I needed to get them fed and all organized and over to the park. I did, I was able to kind of pretty much walk in on the jungle cruise, and that was important because I wanted to make some ties, ties into inclusion and to the infamous Dick Nunes story of um, Thumbs Up Walt Disney actually inspecting the jungle cruise. So we took some time to do that, and then we went over to the Haunted Mansion and rode that attraction, and that was my opportunity to talk about the service values of safety, courtesy, inclusion, show, and efficiency. And how the values and the service mission of the organization, which is we create happiness, play a significant role in how the organization um, uh does its work day in, day out, and how that is brought into their experience from day one with Disney traditions, their orientation. So, we did a lot of conversation around that and how it plays out at the Haunted Mansion. Did some good debriefing. One group went on Splash Mountain while I did a debrief the first, and then the reverse. They went to, man, it wasn't Splash Mountain, they went to Big Thunder Mountain. Um, and then uh, we headed over to Uh, the Plaza Restaurant, which uh, ended up being positive because it was one of the few times we ended up having rain in the park. And so that occurred while we were in the restaurant. In fact, it encouraged us to all get dessert, which they have a number of ice cream specialties. So that ended up being uh, a positive experience and that allowed me to just go from table to table to table, because it's hard all the time to to bring everybody at one table. Um, and then we just kind of uh, worked that way through. Um, and that ended up being a, a real positive experience. And then we turned them loose and gave them options to things that they wanted to do. And um, while I toured the other group and in this particular situation, um, one of the one of the places I go is up through uh, the castle and through Fantasyland and over to the Mad Tea Party, and just had an opportunity to talk about some of the things that happen um, and how we create the kinds of experiences we do in the park, to and how we support the cast members uh, in this show in delivering a great experience. Um, talked a lot about, um, uh, an experience with, um, trying to create, uh, the best show experience possible. In fact, um, we ended up at Pinocchio's Village House, having a pretty involved conversation about what this looks like and how it, how it plays out and where we see this, this occurring within their organization um, in terms of being able to really support the, the employee experience. So this was really good. And what I like about my programs is I'm giving them a chance to just stop they, they get a chance to go out and do things in the park but at the same time they also get a chance to just stop drop and really talk about what all this means and what it looks like and for them so it ended up being um a really great and i'll just give you an example of one of these things so we had them uh they had an option to get on the seven well we we got them a uh, select pass for seven dwarfs mine Train. And the, uh, give them a little trivia question with each thing on the scavenger hunt. In this case, who is peeking in on the house of the seven dwarfs? Have you been on the ride? You know, at the very, 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 very end, you see uh, the uh, the wicked queen. I mean, the wicked queen who is now the the haggard uh, witch. And um, and then the conversation, um, the what we call the workforce discovery. The topic here is leaders as supervisors, and I, and I share the following, and I'll read this to you. Nothing is worse than leaders looking down on you. Once Walt complained that he could never find a supervisor when he wanted one. In fact, Walt avoided fancy offices for management, fearing they wouldn't get out into the park. One of the park heads came up with the idea for all supervisors to wear orange ties so they would be easily recognized. This was not well greeted by most others. The thought was, you can have a 100 good supervisors, but all you need is one miserable manager, and then all the others are tarred with the symbol of an orange tie. Soon, orange ties had come to represent a miserable peeping Tom type of supervision. Fortunately, the ties eventually went away. Its symbol had separated management from the rest of the cast. Conversely, on one occasion, a new resort was being built at Walt Disney World, which was the contemporary, by the way. The date was set for opening. As the date uh, neared, it took everyone stepping in and helping out. A group of executives arrived from corporate and were immediately put to work. Wearing coats and ties, they were assigned to lay down sod outside the entrance to the contemporary. As they started into their unfamiliar task, one of the individuals asked, how do you lay down sod? The answer, which came back from Dick Nunes, Green Side Up. Since that event many years ago, Green Side Up has become a rallying cry at Disney for everyone to pitch in and help out. It doesn't matter who you are or what your title is, you're expected to contribute by helping out. In fact, it's now a tradition during peak Hollywood holiday periods that management and office personnel will be invited to sign up and help out in the parks. That contribution may include picking up trash or wiping down tables. Regardless, everyone is asked to pitch in. And if they're not sure how to do so, remember green side up. So then I asked the questions, how do you avoid a peeping Tom type of supervision in your organization? And then the second question I ask is, what does green side up look like in your organization? And let me tell you, when uh, particularly with the group I had, bright group of individuals, the conversation was so so good because it really made them to have some introspection, and I, I think that's the the fantastic thing about these programs I do at Disney is it really takes people away from their workplace and puts them in an environment where they're free to really think and talk about how things work at Disney and how they might be applied or adapted back to their organization. It ends up being just really great conversation. Well, at any rate, we continued the rest of the day, um, got them kind of a quick meal at Pecos Bill since we had a, a larger sit-down me- sit meal earlier. And then we had a... A dessert party at the Magic Kingdom. I had never done the uh, Magic Kingdom's dessert party and I really had never done it because um, I can't justify the price and I don't need more dessert than I need. But I have to tell you that this was one of the best parts of the program. They had so much fun. First off, I was a little surprised because it's in the Tomorrowland Terrace. I thought they were just going to say, go grab one of those you know, four people tables and I've got 13 people and I'm going to have them spread out. No, they actually had a dedicated table of 13. And it was great because we could all sit together. They had a huge spread of desserts, Um, all kinds of desserts and all kinds of drinks to enjoy. And um, my folks went back easily two or three times. the table because they really enjoyed the desserts. For me, it just kind of goes all together after a while. Maybe that's because I have been around Disney dining for so long that really it just kind of blends. But for them, they had a great time dining and enjoying the company with each other. We checked in around um, a little before 730 and we stayed until 7 or 840. For the nine o'clock fireworks, they give you a portion of that little um, artificial grass turf area near the Tomorrowland Terrace. They give you a space to actually watch the fireworks there. And they do two parties. They do another party after the fireworks, which is what I really kind of preferred originally, but that wasn't available. So we took the one before. Uh, when we got there, everybody was seated on the ground, so there was very little room. But never mind, if I was to do anything different, I would have showed up five minutes before because when everybody stands up, there's all sorts of room. And even somebody who's lesser in height can take a step, a couple of steps back from the people in front of them and still have a great view of of the fireworks. And it was a great fireworks show. Got to see the preamble that they had added for the 50th. And our folks just had a great time. It was a wow experience for our our guests who came to this and then afterwards we reassembled at the yellow umbrellas across from Plaza Restaurant um, just to have kind of a recap of the day and talk about what the ahas were and the ahas were terrific they really brought home some important issues talked about things they wanted to focus on when they got back and we ended up having a good 30-40 minute conversation around the tables there which by the time we got done we Headed out, and there was nobody, no line waiting for us to get back to Port Orleans, and and that uh, trip came, and there was a bus waiting for us. So it just ended up being this really perfect, um, perfect day at the Magic Kingdom. The next day, we left very early. Uh, well, I mean, we got him. A, a, we we weren't even able to do breakfast at Casa We had to be there so early. Um, to Give Kids the World. And if you've not had the opportunity to volunteer at Give Kids the World, because they were a nonprofit organization, it, I, we thought it would be great for them to benchmark another nonprofit organization. But even if you're not there for benchmarking, let me just tell you, it's just a great place to serve. And they have thousands of, of visitors come from all over the country and they just take a morning of their vacation or a day of their vacation and come and serve and Give Kids the World. And lots of folks do that. And there are some regulars who come and so forth. We ended up feeding breakfast to the guests staying there. It was, um, It was a personal, meaningful experience to my participants. They walked away just humbled by these families who are going, you know, they've got a child who... Who has got a uh, life-threatening terminal illness, and um, and and they've come as a family to just spend some family time together, and it was they, they served them and cleaned up after them and and carried their trays, and it was a great experience for my participants. That was another big wow. I mean, that they had from the experience. Then we headed over to Epcot. Again, now I've got the same problem where we're not getting over there till 11 or so. So we don't, you know, have the benefit of getting early in the park and so forth. But I got to tell you, we met well, and actually they hadn't had breakfast at this point. So we ended up going over to Connections Cafe, the Starbucks area, just to get them some, and they ran out of breakfast sandwiches in our order, but we just ran to get them something to hold them over till um, our one o'clock, uh, di- uh, lunch reservation. Um, but that, uh, and then we got them into Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which even though there were two people I recalled that didn't want to do the coaster, they walked with us through the queue, which is a very cool queue to experience a really cute, cool, um, queue show experience that you ought to try, even if you're not going to do the ride. But for those who did the ride, it was a wow. <laughs> and uh, I think if I I could have easily, um, actually, that was their virtual. I managed to get a virtual queue uh, for them. I could have bought a select pass for them, um, but I wanted them to focus on other things during the day. And, uh, and, we, and we did. We ended up having, uh, went on Spaceship Earth, which... Um, I talked about in my previous podcast. In fact, actually, I talked in my previous podcast about Spaceship Earth and Guardians of the Galaxy and Remy's Ratatouille Adventure and how, you know, and the anniversary of Epcot, what Epcot really is all about. If you haven't heard that podcast, definitely go back and check that one out because there's some very meaningful messages in that, this kind of messages that I carry in my programs. Um, and then we headed for lunch over at the Living Seas at uh, the Coral Reef uh, at restaurant. And they loved that restaurant. I don't know why people put down that restaurant. I think it's one of the best experiences. It would, I would say it's, it's easily one of my top five restaurants on Walt Disney World property. I would go there before be our guest restaurant. Um, I haven't done Space 220 but um, it's a lot more affordable than Space 220 and the and what you see through the windows is actually real. I mean the fish were just amazing. The setting was amazing. The food was amazing. It was a great opportunity to have further conversation. We went back to those values that we talked about the previous day at the Haunted Mansion and talked about what values they think should be in their organization and just had a really great dialogue about what that looked like. Um, And then uh, we went over to Soren, and after Soren, we met together again. We kind of stayed together as a group a lot at this point, but um, we ended up having a great dialogue around what we call soft wiring and hard wiring. And, and hard wiring is whenever you wanna make change, you're trying to do it by reorganizing or creating a new program or initiative or creating new rules or policies. And generally speaking, while there's a time and place for that, most of what really creates for change in an organization is soft wiring. And softwiring is about, um, and I give a story of of the fountain in the land, I won't share that story today. But the old fountain in the land is a case of hardwiring, and what and how they went through a very big bureaucratic change to try to change the structure at Epcot, and it really didn't fix the fountain uh, that was broken. And so we talked about that, and boy, that brought in a whole conversation about how much hard wiring and soft wiring occurs within their organization, what that looks like and how that plays out. It was just, it was a terrific conversation. From there, um, we had a chance to do um, Frozen Ever After that we created on the Genie Plus. And then we were also able to do Remy's uh, Ratatouille Adventure. That was a little bit of a haul going from Soren to, to Frozen, then to Remy's, but that was the order in which we had things to do. And then I let them on their own until dinner time, uh, where we met at the Hacienda in Mexico. I've uh, never hosted a group at the Hacienda. The cool thing about that is because they have these big plated windows in the restaurant, you could watch the fireworks uh, for Harmonious from there. In the end, we didn't do that, even though our our time was, I mean, I think we had a 7.45 reservation, but they got us fed and out of there, we didn't have a dessert option at our table. It was a little disappointing because I think they had a special volcano, 20, uh, 50th anniversary dessert. But but we all ended up just outside watching uh, from between Mexico and Norway, Harmonious. They loved that. That was a great experience. Um wasn't as strong maybe as the dessert party the day before. I don't know why they're not doing dessert parties at Epcot. I probably would have paid the premium to do that, to have had that kind of exclusive but neither needless say they're not currently yet doing those. Um, But it ended up being a a solid day and uh, we headed home uh, back to the hotels. The next day was a half day Um, at Disney's Animal Kingdom, and we weren't even there early. I just wanted them to do a couple of things there. The safari, which was a wow experience, and Pandora Flight of Passage, which you can always guarantee is a wow experience. Um, I wanted to also give them a chance to expedition, but that came down um, and never went back up that day. In fact, there was a message from the vice president of the park apologizing uh, that that was down. I really did not get my value off of Genie Plus at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And when you're buying it for 13 people, you're hoping for value. But f- the only thing we used it for was allowing them to do Dinosaur before we left because we needed to leave at noon or sooner um, to head out and do some debrief and then wrap up the experience and then get them to the airport. So um, That debrief was a powerful one and some really good outcomes. We then have had subsequent debriefs. In fact, we actually, uh, I participated with them virtually in uh, in a one day kind of experience they had together about a week later to kind of wrap up everything. And then I've helped them kind of create their proposal for what next so it actually and i had done some stuff with them even before the program which is what i often do with clients i kind of work with them kind of get things ready help them do some assessment work then we come do this experience and then we do some follow up post work afterwards um all i can say about disney's animal kingdom is that um we just weren't there that long to really get the benefit of being in that park or for them to really get to enjoy it but, um, but they did get a chance to do it and they got to see a few things as part of that experience. And I was able to bring back uh, some things, what I call the six Ps, which is what is the promise? How does it deliver? How is it delivered by the people, the place, the processes and the product? And then ultimately what is the price tangibly and non-tangibly you pay? Lots of, again, it's an intense program and experience I deliver. But the idea behind it is you walk away with very real ahas. This is not about going and just playing. This is about, yes, you're going to be on attractions and rides and experiences, but the dialogue that comes in the queue or at at mealtime or between attractions or when I walk them through, that kind of dialogue helps them to translate ideas and and it's something I've done with hundreds of organizations over the last well for nearly can you believe it nearly 30 years about 28 years and uh, and and it has just been it's just been fantastic to see how organizations can transform their thinking their paradigm by having these kinds of of uh, terrific experiences. I don't usually promote my programs. People know to come to me and I, I kind of work it through. But for some of you out there listening who wonder what does he do for a living? This is what I do. I The, the podcasts I deliver, just kind of a hobby of mine, but the real work that I get to do is helping organizations transform their leadership, create stronger workforces and build a great customer service um, experience. That's what I really do and what I've loved doing for the last um, several decades, last, well, 30 years. And it's just exciting. It's exciting to see the transformation that comes when people have the chance to see things from a different point of view. By the way, if you've never... If you're not aware, I've written books about this. See, I'm just the worst self-promoter. But The Wonderful World of Customer Service at Disney, Disney um, Leadership and You, is, uh, is that the name of that book? I can't even remember my own titles. Can you believe that? Disney Leadership and You. And then I have a book called Lead with Your Customer that I wrote with my business partner, uh, Mark David Jones, who who um he and uh he was with Disney for 28 years but we cover not only Disney but uh, over a different uh, 100 different companies and their best bar- uh best in business practices we cover all of that and it's a uh, so if you if you want to know more or um join our Patreon group the Wayfinder Society because the higher tiers actually give you access to these kinds of best in business story so you may want to take advantage of that there well that does it for this disney at work podcast thanks for joining us i hope uh this was a little different a little interesting we'll come back uh to other things in our next podcast but um wanted you to have this experience and i appreciate you being with us and joining us in the words of sinbad storybook voyage always follow The compass of your heart makes all the difference in the world. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.